Welcome to What That Means with Camille, companion episodes to the Cybersecurity Inside podcast. In this series, Camille asks top technical experts to explain, in plain English, commonly used terms in their field, then dives deeper, giving you insights into the hottest topics and arguments they face. Get the definition directly from those who are defining it. Now, here is Camille Moorhart. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Cybersecurity Inside, What That Means with Camille. Today, we've got three of the leaders of the teams that won the Hack At event, which is a design automation conference event that took place December 2021. This was a hardware security capture the flag two-day-long competition that they and their teams participated in. So welcome. We have Animesh Chowdhury from NYU. We have Orlando Arias from University of Florida and Balik Ahmed, also from NYU, but a different team. So some good internal competition there. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. Cool. So, you know, I was telling these guys, I am not the level of technical that they are by any means. So I'm going to ask both kinds of questions. I want to know the winning strategy. I also want to know some of the human aspects of what it's like to enter a competition like this. But let me kick it off. Um, Animesh, how did you guys pick the name of your team? That's my first question. Yeah. So my team name is Gorhaun. So it's kind of a sword, a mythological sword, which actually has this double-aged kind of thing. So it actually represents the power and the strength. It's the simple motivation to pick a name for my team. And also I was participating as a one-man team. So I find it not competitive. So I didn't have to compete with anyone for the team name. I just went ahead with that. So you actually did not have any other team members. It was one-man show. Yeah, it's a one-man show. Okay, so you did not sleep for two days. So it was not like that I didn't sleep, but I uh, slept for like a couple of hours, three, four hours a day. That's all. Interesting. So I'm going to move on to Orlando. And I want to know for you guys, what was the winning strategy? We had a strategy going into the competition. We had a bunch of pre-written tools. uh, And that was one of our motivations to, uh, to enter, to see how our tools actually dealt with scenarios that were not crafted by us in any means so going in we looked at the hdl then we ran the hdl through our tools and we got some results out of that we examined some of those results manually we examined some of the hdl manually for possible things that our tools didn't really give us and then after finding possible vulnerabilities we began trying to write software exploits uh, to be able to um, to do stuff with them. So why are you writing software exploits when you're trying to capture the flag? Can you explain how that plays into it? The idea was that there was there were hardware vulnerabilities, but some of these hardware vulnerabilities to actually see the full effects, you needed to run some code on that SOC, on that system on chip uh, that we were given. Some of the bugs in the hardware allowed us to illegally access data that we will otherwise have no actual access to or to illegally modify data in ways that we weren't supposed to modify in order to actually showcase the effects of the bug 
that's where software running on the platform came to actually be. Uh, it was kind of like a demonstration thing. So here's the bug. Here are the consequences of the bug once you run this piece of code. Meaning we could access cryptographic keys that we will otherwise have no access to. We could change uh, security settings on the SOC that we will normally have no access to. That kind of thing. And did you have to write those on the fly or were those things that you could bring portions of tools you'd already written? So for the demonstrations, these were things that we had to write on the fly, given some of the example code uh, that we were given. The platform that we were using had a library that helped us access some of the hardware features that we wanted to utilize. And through making calls through those libraries, we were able to actually make our development process a bit easier. So, Balik, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to ask you, do you think that this is a, is this a team sport? I mean, the more people you have, the better. That's for sure. Because quantity matters, you know, it's the amount of bugs you can identify. And there were plenty out there. So I think within that time frame, especially because of that time crunch, it's definitely a team sport. So you have advantage in numbers. Did you and your teammates divide and conquer, like according to type of bug or, you know, portion of triage, or some people were writing code and other people were fielding or looking for stuff? How do you, like, divide up the work? So, yeah, initially we we started looking at different peripherals. So we assigned different peripherals within the system on chip to each individual. And that kind of worked well for phase one. But also within phase one, we kind of realized that Everything is connected to everything. So, you know, dividing by these different peripherals won't necessarily work too well. So eventually we gravitated towards more of a strategy-based division. So my teammate Abdul was more focused on generating user exploits using the virtual machine. And I was more focused on generating like automated exploits. So I think that was a better strategy when we started dividing things based on different strategy rather than looking at different parts of the code. Yeah, let me ask uh, Animesh a similar kind of a question because you were a one-man show. So did you have to then approach it all kind of systemically from the beginning or did you just take part by part? Okay, so one of the things I would say that helped me a lot is by looking at the bugs which were given to us in the phase one of the competition. So the phase one competition actually spans around like 30 to 40 days where you have got eventually a lot of time to analyze different parts of the SOC and see which parts of SOC might be much more vulnerable than the other parts. So in that way, before entering into phase two of the competition, which is like 48 hours, so I have to prioritize the areas of SOC which are likely to have much more bugs than the other side. So I specifically looked at certain peripherals, code, some other peri- uh, so for example there is something called memory manager so there i knew that some sort of bugs can be there so i tried to focus my attention on certain areas in order to like compete with the other teams where much more people were trying to find the bugs i would say so like participation in phase 1 helped me to prioritize my uh, selection in soc to find the bugs for phase 2 and you're a winner so I want to ask, you know, would you in the future, would you have teammates or would you go solo again? I think means having, as Balik was saying, that having 
more numbers is way more better and the good part is we actually belong to the same university and our advisors is also same so in a way i would say that when we were competing we were adopting different strategies and those strategies were orthogonal so after the competition we were thinking that if we both team combined together we would have scored more points than individual teams orlando tell me something that surprised you about this competition first of all is it the first type of competition you've entered like this or have you done many this is the first time I've been in a competition of this hackathon style, where it's a continuous stream of do as much as you can in this time period. I've been in other competitions before. I've participated in ES Week, which is usually held in uh, NYU, where these other nice gentlemen are from. And uh, at least the Embedded Systems Challenge over there was always more like a one-day event with a predetermined schedule. You present your findings at a certain time. And um, that's pretty much it. You demonstrate what you what you have, and then the judges will come by and tell you, hey, so um, this is how well you did. And yeah, it was kind of fun in a sense, but it's not a style that... It's the first time I get to uh, to participate in a competition with that particular style. So, Balik, it's uh, not very civilized to go straight. This is a little bit more, uh, dare I say, real world when it doesn't stop just because it's bedtime. Like, how did you and your team handle it? So, two of us were able to join in person uh, during the conference, and one of our teammates was uh, online. I don't think we got a lot of sleep together. But since we were using the same common virtual machine that the organizers provided us, we were kind of able to divide times a bit. So like I would sleep and somebody else would use the simulation and then we would kind of alter that a bit. So I think that worked out for us. Was there anything for any of you that really surprised you that you were not expecting? I think for me personally, um, in, in phase two, uh, we weren't expecting the inclusion of formal tools. So uh, we were introduced to all these tools and um, I hadn't used them before, right? So just to get that opportunity and that that uh, a better level of ability to intrude into the SOC, that was, that was a bit out of the box, or at least we didn't expect it, right? So I think that took us a while to get used to learning those new tools because there's a bit of a learning curve there. Orlando, you, you'd also found something surprising. What was that? Yeah, it was more on the technical aspects of things. We were kind of surprised the amount of things, uh, some of the existing HDLs, uh, hardware descriptor languages, which is what we were working with, um, let you get away with. Now, a portion of my background is in systems programming, so I get to deal with things like C and assembly and all of those low-level languages. And um, they can be finicky, and you can make pretty huge mistakes if you're not careful. But for something like describing hardware, we found some constructs in system Verilog, the language we were using in the SOC, that... I feel at the very least that the tools that convert this uh, language into a, either a simulation environment or a an actual piece of hardware 
once you put it on a on an entire silicon workflow toolchain the tools i feel like they should reject some of the constructs that we saw because those constructs are things that you look at them and you can say hey uh, this is most definitely wrong this is most definitely incorrect this makes no sense so why are we accepting this and why are we generating hardware using this particular kind of thing uh, Animesh, question for you. Did you go down any dead ends and have to correct yourself? I won't say that it was a dead end or something because since like I was like uh, participating all alone and like Bali even was saying that there were a lot of opportunities to find the bugs in the hardware. So I kept on looking and looking and surprisingly within this 48 hours, there was not a moment where I felt like that I have run out of more bugs to explore. So I kept on <laughs> exploring as much as I can, I would say. Is that sort of the reality of the world or do you feel like it's staged? I would say there are two schools of thoughts to that. From the organizer perspectives, what they actually want is to evaluate how people actually approach to this problem of finding vulnerabilities in the hardware. So they try to actually insert bugs in this hardware which actually resembles similar sort of actual vulnerability which exists in the hardware. So they try to emulate that. And I think in somewhere or the other, they have tried to introduce more variants of the bug which made the life of the participants simpler to a certain extent. But I feel like as we go down the years of this competition, it will become much and much more challenging because they will try to reduce the complexity, not reduce the hardness of the bug, not hardness, means increase the hardness of the bug to a certain extent, and it will make the life difficult for the participants, I would say so. So, I mean, my assumption is that all three of you may look for vulnerabilities separate from events. Um, so yeah. I guess, you know, one question I have is just how similar do you find problems in the real world without naming, you know, where you found them? Uh, will protect the privacy <laughs> uh, and assume you're disclosing separately. But, you know, how how realistic is this kind of a competition versus if you were to just go dig into any kind of real world situation? I, I can take a shot at that. So I think, like Animesh said, like some some of these bugs are deliberately made easier. But I think they're definitely developed from an academic point of view of bugs that were detected in these open source cores. So the core that was used, the Ariane core, in previous editions of HackAttack as well, parsements were able to find bugs that weren't deliberately introduced. And they were of a similar nature, you know, a bit gone, an incomplete assignment, a wrong password check, stuff like that. So I think it's, it's a bit of both. So for the purpose of competition, uh, there are a few easy ones introduced, but they also, to a certain extent, do represent the kind of mistakes that can be made. So my, my last question, I'm going to ask each one of you to answer this. Um, your advice to architects or developers or coders as they're securing their product, you know, what is the one thing you would say, please, 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 for the love of Pete, you know, make sure you do this or make sure you don't forget that? <laughs> I would say that the majority of the bugs we found were in assignments and in access controls. And I'm, I'm sure people do this, but, you know, checking that again and again, that the access bits are appropriately set and the register log bits are appropriately set. Mm -hmm. 
from my side i would say that uh, so there is an increasing interest in this formal verification kind of thing so which has been used a lot in the software verification software testing part so i would encourage all the hardware developer teams to use this formal verification tools time and again to ensure that the quality of code which they are writing for designing a hardware is good enough orlando i am going to agree with um, animesh here on that formal verification tools are extremely powerful they can detect many, many things that we will normally not be able to detect ourselves. However, I also want to say that formal verification tools are not 100% guaranteed. They usually will go ahead and try to prove a property that you have already defined, Uh, meaning that if that property is proven, well, congratulations, uh, you managed to evaluate and give a formal proof of something that you actually wanted uh, to prove. It doesn't really guarantee any other property that you have not enumerated on the tool itself. So I believe we have to go beyond just formal verification to other types of analysis as well static checks, uh, linting, anything, anything that you can think of, go ahead and throw it at it. And even then, things will go ahead and slip by. Animesh, do you consider yourself a hacker? (laughs) Not exactly kind of a hacker, but it is very super cool to identify bugs in someone else's code. It's always super interesting (laughs) because you get bounties, you get awards, you get a lot of things. So our university students have been participating for like last three, four years into this competition. And our seniors have kind of motivated us that this is really super cool thing. And you should try out, get your hands dirty and do a lot of things. So I would say that over the years, I think this is the first time like an, a team from NYU has got the first position in Hack and Jack. I think it didn't happen before, but yeah, at least... We try to get ourselves into top three position every year, like the year Hack and Deck started. Very cool. That league, are you going to do it again in the future? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I can't answer that right now. <laughs> and uh, Orlando, would you recommend it to other people? Oh, absolutely. If anything, just for the learning experience, actually, it's... Um, it was a lot of fun participating and we learned a lot. Like I said, one of our objectives was to beat our tools, the tools that we had previously developed to see how well they do against a scenario that we didn't concoct ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even just for that, it was just a learning experience. We got to use other tools that uh, we hadn't used before either. We had uh, Synopsis was kind enough to uh, to provide us a virtual machine uh, for us to access, and we had a whole bunch of their tools in there that we could use to do testing and perform analysis. So, yes, absolutely. I will strongly encourage anybody interested to, um, to, at the very least, look into it and, of course, to participate. So, Orlando, Balik, and Animesh, thank you guys very much for joining. Again, representatives of their teams, unless, of course, it's Animesh, who was one-man show for his team, of the winning teams of Hack at Design Automation Conference, the Hardware Security Capture the Flag, and they talked a little bit about their winning strategies and what it was like participating. So thank you so much for joining us on What That Means. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. 
stay tuned for the next episode of Cybersecurity Inside. Follow at Tom M. Garrison and Camille at Morehart on Twitter to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and author and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Intel Corporation.